Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. Bless your hearts. It's so good to be back here with family. To me, when I come see these folks, it's home away from home. And uh, yeah, I first met Sam when he was about eight years old. And he learned the discipline of sacrifice. Meaning he had to sacrifice his bedroom so that I had somewhere to lay my head. (laughs) For which I'm ever grateful, forever grateful. Unfortunately, my wife could not be here with us today. She would love to be here with us because her and Tracy are good friends. And um, they share all kinds of uh, exciting uh, common interests like food, and aromas, household aromas. You go to each other and say, oh, that smells nice. What's that? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. We've got to have some of that in our house. Okay. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. When I came up here yesterday, my wife said, she gave me this candle. Make sure you give this to Tracy. It's like, otherwise the ground will open up and, you know, unbelievable. But really, lots of fun. And uh, we've known each other since the last century. The Middle Ages, you know, the 90s. You know, that's when we met, back in the 90s. It's like the Middle Ages now, you know. And we've spent a lot of time laughing. How many, how many enjoy, you know, your pastor is a fun guy, right? You get lots of laughter in this church, right? It's good. You're forgiven. It's good. No. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. It's, it's, it's great. So we, we just spend a lot of time laughing. And uh, as, we, as we, you know, fix the kingdom of God in conversations, you know. But uh, today I want to speak to you about the power of remembrance. Um. Oh, actually, before I get into that, let me, uh, you may have seen some books, uh, something out there. Um, Just some good news. Actually, you're the first church that I've uh, had the privilege to announce this to. For the last seven years, I've been working on a a documentary movie. Uh, It's it's about me based on my life. And the book actually is the the script for the, the movie. And so to cut a long story short, there's been incredible warfare gone on about the release of this movie. But now, finally, we have a breakthrough. And um, the same company that did the movie, I Can Only Imagine, you familiar with that movie? They've taken it on and it's going to be coming out in the f- sometime in the first quarter of 2019. So you'll get to hear about it. It's called Louder Than Rock. What's louder than rock? God's voice is louder than rock. So it's a story of my life and my involvement with um, Elton John's career, uh, which is a very big involvement. And um, 
and then also deals with uh, you know father son issues and all that stuff, but also deals with how I came to know Jesus. So my testimony is in there as well. So um, appreciate your prayers on that, and you will get to see it because we're going to do these fathom events. You know, if you've heard of that, where there's like a mass screening across the nation and. Everybody gets to see it on the same day. So you'll get to hear about it and you can get to take your popcorn and say, I know that guy. We heard him speak, you know. (laughs) So I want to talk about the power of remembrance. And in this, um, uh, I believe I have a word for brave church and um, as as well as just general word of, of encouragement as we transition into... A new year. And, uh, you know, uh, your, your pastors, uh, I just want to kind of blow a trumpet for your pastors here. Um, you may have seen this ad on TV for Allstate, where there's this guy, um, his, his actor's name is Dennis Haysbert. He's got this black guy with this great voice, you know, amazing voice. And he's sitting in a chair in the middle of a street and the wind is blowing and howling and buildings are flying past. It's like he's sitting in the midst of a tornado. And he gets up and he starts walking down the street with this big smile on his face. And he says, there's mayhem everywhere. But with Allstate, you're in good hands. Your pastors are like Allstate. You're in good hands, folks, okay? So give them a round of applause. You're in good hands. (laughs) <laughs> so I want to talk about remembrance uh, because just the way, like the early church, as the early church exploded across the world, across the known world at that time, and the gospel was impacting nations and um, turning things upside down, the world was, was in transition into the new covenant in Christ and from paganism, etc., And so likewise, our world is in transition today. As we sit here today, our government is on strike. We don't know what's going on with the security of our nation, blah, 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 blah. All this stuff is going on. We don't know which way is up, you know. Um, And these are transitional times in which we live, okay? Things are more complicated. Uh, Things move faster, you know. And so here we are. So... I just want to give you some good news. This morning, good news is coming your way. So would you turn to the person next to you and just tell them, good news is coming your way. Would you tell them? (laughs) What a fun bunch. This is great. It's like a wave of good news just went from the front. It's great. So we're going to look at our main text in 2 Timothy. The book of Timothy is uh, often seen as and preached as um, a set of instructions for leadership, which it is. That is definitely part of it. But there's a deeper level to it, which I want to just take a glimpse at. And to say that this is, uh, and I want to give you seven points of guidance from a man stuck in prison to a young man in tears. It addresses fear during a time of transition. Transition, Times of transitions is when the enemy of our souls works overtime to wear down the saints with fear. 
So we're in this interesting time where there's all this mayhem going on around us. And we, could, we can come to church and we can worship, sing great worship songs, hear great preaching and feel inspired, you know, and encouraged. And then we hit the road on Monday through Friday and it's like the, we're back into the mayhem and fear sets in and, and it produces a feeling of being stuck. And I don't want you to raise your hands, but I just wonder if I might be speaking this morning to some people who may be feeling stuck in their faith. And if so, as I said before, good news is coming your way. So let's read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. This is Paul, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. This is written from a man, namely the Apostle Paul, who is now stuck in prison. He ain't going nowhere. Prison back in those days was not like club fed today right he can't he can't go and you know he didn't have a cell phone (laughs) it's okay (laughs) if it's God just tell him you're calling back in a few minutes but if I see you run out there with this on your phone I'll know it really is God (laughs) but um you know, so he's in prison. He can't call his attorney. He can't go um, to the library and study to earn a degree while he's in prison or anything like that. He can't watch TV. He can't surf the net. He can't take a shower. He can't do anything. He is flat out stuck in a rat infested in prison. And yet somehow this man is able to send words of encouragement to a young man who is gripped with fear and he's in tears. So let's look at these seven points here. First one, he says, remember your heritage. Remember your heritage. And he speaks of the genuine faith. Genuine faith. Your pastors want to produce followers of Jesus who possess a genuine faith. Genuine faith is interesting because genuine faith is it, it is it has the ability to cross over and be passed on from generation to generation. That's one of the beautiful things I see in the Lord's family. When I first met them, they were pastoring a church called Heritage Church in Lincoln. And they were living out heritage and they still continue to live out heritage to this day. Back then, Pastor Darren's mother was serving in the church and his father was like the resident theologian, right? And um, (laughs) if 
is he here today? Bill Laws, is he, is he in this service? No. Next one, oh, okay. He's funny. Because when, when I first showed up, you know, uh, and Bill's got some physical infirmity, you know, but he was a character. He used to tell people, because I showed up and played some guitar, you know, and he'd tell people, I, show, I showed him how to do that. I taught him how to do that. His, his hands are like this. You know, like, oh yeah, I taught him how to do that. <laughs> but we, we would have great discussions about theology and stuff like that, you know, and he, he, was, he was great. A lot of humour. So I see all this stuff be passed on to humour. You know, the apple don't fall from the, too far from the tree. So where does Darren get his humour from? He's dead. You know, and, uh, and, and it just gets passed on. So it's a beautiful, and now Sam's stepping up to the plate, you know, and he has the ability to crack a few good jokes as well, as you all know. So this is all good. But genuine faith, genuine faith is what cuts the mustard. Genuine faith is what defeats the enemy. Genuine faith is what sets us and keeps us on a path to victory over the adversary. Genuine faith is the strength of kingdom people. And genuine faith is based on remembrance of where that comes from. Remembrance of Jesus, who he is and what he has done. Your heritage. So Paul is saying to Timothy, remember where you come from. And secondly, he goes on to say the gift that you have. He talks about, remember the gift. And I want to unpack this into, there's more than one gift here. Right here, right here today, I am looking at a room full of very gifted people. And it's interesting, I use this language a lot everywhere I speak, and I find that a lot of Christians, they don't believe that they're gifted. You know, and I don't know if it's a, if it's a false humility kind of a thing, or they've just not really come to realize that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no shadow of turning. So God gives gifts. So this room is full of all kinds of gifts. There's musical gifts in this room. There are academic gifts in this room. There are visual arts gifts in this room. There are literary gifts in this room. There are Science gifts in this room, research gifts in this room, language gifts in this room. How many of you speak more than one language? You're gifted. You're gifted. People come up to me and they say, oh, I love your accent. It's really great. And my response is, I'm so glad you do because it's the only one I've got. (laughs) (laughs) It's the truth. It's just... I don't have that gift, you know, I can fake it, you know, but, you know, I can speak enough Spanish to, Spanish to really get me in trouble and that's about it, you know, it's really funny. <laughs> but this room is full of gifted people. There's a scripture, Proverbs eighteen sixteen, is an interesting scripture you can take to the bank. Uh, it says that a man's gift, woman's gift, man's gift makes room for him, brings him before great men. Now, in the, in the world's thinking, the world says you have, you have to have X amount of training and degrees and what have you and qualifications, X equals X amount of opportunities, but not so in the kingdom of God. So in the kingdom of God, it says you function by your gifting and God opens doors that no man can close. A little different, huh? So Paul is saying, 
to young Timothy, remember the gift that you have. There's the spiritual gifts, but there's also the natural gifts. God made you to think the way that you think. Ah, really? I don't have to be like that person over there? No, he wired you. So there's left brain giftedness in this room and there's right brain visionary gifting in this room. Oh, you mean I'm not as weird as they're trying to tell me? That's absolutely right. (laughs) Have you ever heard the the, the saying, has people ever told you, oh, you always tend to think that way, like as if you're wrong? (laughs) Boy, that got quiet. Okay. (laughs) Let the healing flow. Okay. I told you, good news is coming your way. (laughs) Oh boy. You know, I'm so glad that my wife is completely different to me. We have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. She's very linear, totally left brain. It's got to be like this and it's got to be like this. She's continually telling me that my clothes don't match. Unbelievable. One day we we were driving back from a church. I've been speaking at this church and the next day we're driving back and it's a beautiful day in Southern California and I'm wearing blue jeans and a green t-shirt. I'm driving the car. We're going home. Everything's nice and lovely. We've had a lovely service. All of a sudden she turns to me. She says, your clothes don't match. I'm thinking, what's up? I feel great. I'm comfortable. To me, comfortable means matching, right? Your clothes don't match. Those colors don't match. I'm thinking, I've got blue jeans, green T-shirt. Okay. So I'm looking out the car window. (laughs) I said to my wife, a moment of wonderful inspiration from the Holy Ghost. I said, right, you answer me this question. What color are those hills? She said, green. I said, what color is the sky? She says, blue. I said, you need to talk to God because that looks really fine to me. (laughs) We've been doing this for 35 years. If you want to know the secret to a great marriage, laugh a lot. You know, don't take it so serious. (laughs) Oh boy. So remember the gift that you are and where it came from. Where it came from. Somebody said, well, you know, I don't want to be like my parents. Too late. (laughs) The apple don't fall too far from the tree, so you might as well get used to it. You know, your personality is going to come from one side of the riverbank or the other. Right? You know, I love I love being around new parents or parent new parents with, with young children, you know. Especially when they get to you know, two or three years old, you know. And so you, you're dealing with either the, uh, the terrible twos or the impossible threes, right? And you, you watch some child, you know, suddenly start to throw a fit, you know. And I'll say to the parent, I'll say, so uh, which side of the family does that come from? <laughs> and both of them will be in denial. <laughs> Not mine. Oh, really? Is that so? You know. <laughs> Lots of fun. This is a different service to the first service. It's a different room. I love it. This is, who knows where the third service is going to go? 
Thank God I got notes, otherwise we'd be flying here who knows where. So remember the gift that you are and where it came from. (laughs) And then he says, the testimony of Jesus. Remember the testimony of Jesus. Can I tell you, brave church, what makes a person brave? Is the power of remembrance. A brave person is a person who remembers. You say, why do you say that? Because in order to be brave, you have to take a stance against adversity. And then the only way you can take a successful stand against adversity is to remember who you are, where you came from and what you're made of. Amen. And as Christians, we are in a war. You all know that, right? Oh, that's two of us know it. The rest we don't. We got some work to do here this morning. Can I tell you, since the day you said yes to Jesus, you stepped onto a, onto a battlefield. Because we there is an enemy. Prowls around like a roaring lion. Wants to do, wants to weaken us down. Wants to wear down the saints. Is what it's. He don't want. He don't want you to know who you are. He doesn't want you to to live in the reality that you are a new creation and that the old things have passed away and all things become new. And that statement in the Greek is continuous. So the way it literally reads in 2 Corinthians 5.17 is, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are continually passing away and all things are continually passing becoming new and the way that happens is depending upon our ability to remember who Jesus is and what he has done and as we continue to stay in the word of God and keep that remembrance going because the enemy doesn't want he don't want you to know who you are you see so what he do he he'll come through the world system he will lie to you and he'll say no nah, you know what you call yourself a christian but really what you are is you are a product of your environment and you are a victim of circumstance ha 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 go get counseling <laughs> right oh well i am the way i am because you know of what they did to me that's not what the bible says No, no, no. Jesus turned that upside down when he died for the remission of our sins and became that curse. He took the curse off of us, hung it on a tree, as it says in Galatians. He turned that around. That became my life verse back in 1982. When I said yes to Jesus, everything changed. When I got baptized, the moment I got baptized, I was instantly delivered from 18 years of drugs and came up out of the water with a revelation that God knew me and had accepted me as one of his own. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, the old thing. And by the way, new creature literally means a new genesis, a new creation. That's what we are. So here's... Let's just expose the lie of the enemy real real quick. He doesn't know who you are. He doesn't know who you really are. So all he can do is lie to you according to your old nature track record. 
which has been covered by the blood of Christ. So we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He doesn't know who you really are. And it's funny with me, with, with remembrance, you know, Sam introduced me and this is, I was telling him the other day, this word has been, has been uh, hounding me for the last couple of weeks, this word legend. Oh, you're a legend. But for me to, and you know, I appreciate that, but now I, that, I don't live there. So for me to look back, because we have to look back in order to go forward. That's how it is in the kingdom of God. But I can't look back at my accomplishments in the music industry because they about killed me. There's no fruit in there. There may have been platinum records and blah, 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 which is all very nice, you know, but that, nothing, that doesn't do anything for my spirit, my internal condition. It has nothing to do with my hope of eternal life. I have to look back at who Jesus is and what he did for me, strengthen my faith in that. Then I can move forward into the plan that God says he knows he has for me. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you. If you remember the testimony of Jesus here, in Philippians 1.6, the same writer, Apostle Paul, writing from prison, is able, because of his ability and discipline as a Jew in the art of remembrance, he is able to say, being confident of this very thing. He that began a good work in you is able to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Here's a guy sat in prison, some horrible prison, and yet is able to say, I'm confident of something. I'm confident that this Jesus who bore my sin on the cross has begun a new work in you and he is able to complete it. It's amazing. I believe that's a word. How many of you have been here since um, the beginning, since, since the Lord's family came here and pastored here, started passing here? So you've been here on the journey for a while. So what's that, five years ago? Okay, how many have been here um, four years? Well, three years? Two years? Okay, one year? That's most of you. Okay, okay. He who began a new work in you is able to complete it. He who began a good work in you. How many of you could raise your hands and say, I know Jesus has begun a good work in me since I've been here. There they go. There you go. He's able to complete it. I wonder if Paul in his remembrance of the testimony of Jesus most probably would call to mind when Jesus was hung on a cross between two thieves. One of these guys is cursing him out and the other guy says these words, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And here's Jesus nailed to the cross and even in that position of being stuck is able to have faith to say to that man this day, you will be with me in paradise. Amazing, huh? 
Think about, you know, we think about, you know, being stuck, whether it's in prison. Jesus was stuck on the cross for each and every one of us. That's a good thing to remember. He was stuck on the cross for each and every one of us. And yet he's able to say, this day you'll be with me in paradise. The testimony of Jesus. The pattern of sound words. He says, remember the pattern of sound words. One of the reasons that, you know, and I use the, 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 uh, the idea of uh, all state and being, you're in good hands with all state. The, one of the reasons you're in good hands here, a major reason actually, is that your pastors are people of the word of God. The word of God. And it's, he says here, um, hold fast the pattern of sound words that you hear that you've heard from me the word is so important in um, is it here? Romans 15.4 I think you've got a little note there uh, Paul says this for whatever things were written before were written for our learning so he's talking about the scriptures were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Our world today is moving so fast. There's so much mayhem out there. Um, There is, you know, persecution of the church coming from within our own, you know, Western system now. It began a bunch of years ago when they took prayer out of schools and it's, it's increasing on and on. Patience and comfort, if we're not careful, can become a scarce commodity. Patience and comfort of the scriptures. The scriptures give us patience, patience and comfort in the midst of trying to be in the world and not of it and living in a world that that is adverse to what we think and what we believe. Patience and comfort. And God has an interesting way of giving us patience. Whatever Whatever you do, don't pray for patience. You've heard that one, right? You get mayhem. You're back to mayhem again. But patience and comfort come through the scriptures as we read the scriptures and we see how God protected his people and guided his people through adverse, uh, adverse situations and all kinds of adversity. Patience and comfort. The pattern of sound words. It's one thing to, to come to church and hear great preaching. Pastor Darren is a great teacher. You know, but then you have to take that and you've got to apply it to you. It's got to get in you. You know, so having said that, let's move on to the next one. Seek the aid of the Holy Spirit. Because speaking of the Word of God, the Word of God is not just, this Bible is not just words on paper. Do you, how many of you know this book, your Bible, is completely different to any other book on this planet? You can read Shakespeare. 
and feel all intellectual and wonderful, but you know what? Once you've read Shakespeare, you're done. You've read the story, you know what, you're done. There's nothing that's gonna be added to it. It's not gonna give illumination to your life. But this word of God, it's simply the word because it was authored by the Holy Spirit. He moved upon the prophets and the psalmists of old and, and comes up with this word. Here we have the word of God. It's God's love letter to humanity. It's God's invitation to a wedding. Oh, is that good? Are you going? I'll see you there. <laughs> I'll save a sea for you. Great. <laughs> but it really, it's, it's, it's what it is, you know. It's his invitation to a wedding because he sees us as his bride. You know, it's, it's amazing. So in, can I encourage you? And, and I know that you're going to uh, be going into a season of, of teaching about the word, which is really great. What I came to learn is reading the Bible is more than just reading a book like I'm doing homework. It's more about hearing it. It's more about hearing it. Since 1982, when I, after I first got saved and filled with the Spirit, and I started reading the Bible, I just had this little prayer which I still use to today. It's very simple. Holy Spirit, speak to me through your word. That's it. And he does. Whether it's a chapter or a verse. How many of you have had those aha moments in like one verse and that will keep you going for a week? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, you see. And the enemy of our souls doesn't want you to have that kind of relationship with the Word of God, you see. So he'll get you distracted with all kinds of things. He'll get you distracted with just being hung up on what the world says that you are. I love the song that they sang just before we took a break where it says, I am who you say I am. We just sang that, right? I am who you say I am. That's the truth. So seek the aid of the Holy Spirit in all these things. And finally, be persuaded after having believed. In verse 12 of this, this same chapter, Paul says from prison, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. And this is what I love. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. There's believing and then there's being persuaded. You know, let's see here. Here's a keyboard here, right? Now, we can all look at that and say, yep, I believe that's a keyboard, right? But to be really persuaded that that's a keyboard, I got to play it. Well, there's a chair down here. Looks like a chair. It's got four legs, a back and everything, a rest. Yep. That's a chair. We could look at that and say, that's a chair. But in order to really be persuaded of the benefits of that chair, I've got to sit in it. Amen? We could say, I believe in Jesus, but to really be persuaded about who he is and what he's done, I've got to get in 
this word. I got to hear this word being spoken to me as in a way, in a deeply personal way as only he can do by the spirit of God that wrote the word. And here's Paul saying from prison, stuck, being stuck in, in prison, that he is persuaded after having believed. Amen. Is this, was this good news for you folks? You know, we're going we're gonna, to um, partake of communion here in a second. Remembrance is a powerful thing, especially from a, a biblical perspective, because it began, for the Jews, it began at Exodus 15, where the first worship song was written. It's called the Song of Moses. And in that song, they recounted who, they remembered who God was and what he had done in the, in the deliverance from Egypt through the Red Sea. That remembrance was held up throughout the entire New Testament. It was recorded by the prophets, all the prophets and um, the psalmists. This remembrance of that exodus continued all the way up into the new covenant when Jesus came along and all the way up into um, the, the Last Supper that Jesus presided over when Jesus said these words, This is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood that was shed for the remission of your sins. Do this in what? Remembrance of me. Because remembrance, this kind of remembrance is what overcomes, what defeats the enemy. It, It silences the lies that are thrown at us. Now, there may be some here today that you say, well, you know what, I, I don't, um, this is my first time and I don't have any remembrances of, of the kind of family that you're talking about when you refer to Sam and Darren and Tracy. I don't have that kind of remembrance. And, uh, you know, I come from a broken background, etc., etc." The good news is, as I said, good news is coming your way today. The good news is you can begin. You can start a remembrance of who Jesus is and what he's done for you by coming to the table and partake of communion. It's an open communion. It's open to both the believer and it's open to the non-believer who would make a decision to say, yes, I want to receive Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. I want to take I want Jesus to take over. To take over here. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you're moving in hearts right now. And I just sense in there's some people here today that are coming to Jesus for the first time because the Father is drawing them through his word. And so, Father, I pray this be a day of salvation, a day of returning, and most of all, a day of remembering who you are and what you have done for us and that you are way ahead of us working on the plans that you know that you have for us. As you work it all together for good, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. 
For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.